5, and we'll start reading. Start reading here in verse number 28 of Acts chapter 5. Starting here in verse 28, it says, Saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intent to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. For the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree, him God hath exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. We are his witness of these things. So is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard that they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them, then stood there up one in the council of Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all of the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thutis, boasting himself, to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves who were slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. After this, after this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away many people after him, he also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you and exalt you and thank you for the opportunity to be gathered here in your name. I love that this text says that every day they continue to preach your name. Every day they continue to teach your name, regardless of the risk. I'm thankful that some 2,000 years later, I can stand as a testimony to what Gamaliel said, if it be of you, <laughs> no man will be able to overthrow it. I'm thankful for the same message they preached all those years ago. It's the, the message that still changed my life. It's still being preached today because it was your message. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. Strengthen us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 
This is the the book of Acts. It's the they proclaim it to be the mighty acts of the apostles. I suppose you could say the the mighty acts of the Holy Spirit, the mighty acts of Jesus Christ, the power of God manifested in men. When you first come into Acts chapter 5, you find the disciples, not just the apostles, the disciples were on fire for Jesus Christ. They were selling off all that they did not need uh, for the, not for notoriety. They didn't sell off what they had so that they could be recognized as someone extra pious in the church. They sold off all that they had for what? For the realization in their hearts it burned in their hearts that this money could be put forth so that others could hear about this message. You know, even in our own lives today, IRAs are not bad, 401ks are not bad. Uh, It's nothing wrong to invest in the silver or to invest in the gold, but these investments should never have us. These investments should never um, cause us to forget our obligation. Or you could even word it even more, not only is it an obligation, but these investments should never cause us to forget the opportunity we have to spread the message that changed our lives. You see, it takes willing participants to get the gospel around the world. It did in the book of Acts, and it still takes willing participants today. We watch TV, and our heart breaks for what's going on across the seas, but it doesn't cause us to reach in the pocket. This is not the structure. This is not the form for the New Testament. People got on board with sending others to deliver the message. Here in Acts chapter 5, as you begin to work through it, you see that we've kind of arrived at a troubling time in the church. God has been moving. Souls have been saved. But when you first come in, we're first introduced to Ananias and Sapphira. We're introduced to a troubling mindset that is already beginning to exist within the church. It doesn't take Satan much time at all to do his work, even in the midst of thousands of souls being saved. These Ananias, this Ananias and Sapphira, this couple, these members of the church, these saved believers entered into the church. They wanted to be registered, I would say, to be exalted, to be lifted up, to be in a place of notoriety. They they wanted to be involved in the movement. They wanted to have the name that their faith matched everybody else's faith that was in the church. They wanted people, they wanted the people to praise them, maybe as they praised others. Wow, brother Ananias, sister Sapphira, they, they gave it all. But in reality, we see In the beginning of chapter 5, they just wanted to look like they gave it all. They say that during this time, the time of giving, the, the time of offering was much different than we have today. It was said that when offering was given then, matter of fact, many churches still do it today. (laughs) They play a song and everyone comes forward and puts their offerings in the plate. What account we have here in Acts chapter 5 is that Ananias and Sapphira went up before Peter and Peter asked them had they really truly given their all, had they sold it for such and such price, they made their confession and then God the Spirit moved upon them and struck them dead and fear moved upon the other church. 
a reality was made known to the entire church in Acts chapter 5. While other people may brag on you for how spiritual you may seem, God knows the truth. The Holy Spirit moved. The church would never be the same. We move on to see these signs, these wonders, these miracles. And then within a short amount of time, the apostles begin to suffer persecution as they began to do these marvelous works of God. Before long, we've seen that they found themselves before Gamaliel and these Jewish leaders. When they heard what they had to say, when they heard the message, the Bible says it cut them to the heart. They took counsel to slay them. Gamaliel said a true statement here in those final verses. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. If it be of God, there's nothing you can do about it. But if it be of men, it surely will not make it. Matter of fact, what Gamaliel did when he brought them to this mind, when he brought them to this, he offered up some examples of people who brought some attention to their names and times past. And he said, and where are they today? Could we not even say this today? Where are all these people today who rose up and claimed that they were Jesus Christ? Who that one whack job who took all these people over to a foreign country and then they were all dispersed and they were all died. All of these people throughout history who said, we are the way, we are they, and where are they today? But yet, they were not of God. But he says, if it be of God, it surely will last when it says, if it be of God, it means that you originated from God. It means that you were rooted in God. It means that you belong to God. When you belong to God, then you are of God. This false religion is tearing up America today. It's tearing up the people today, causing people to look in places for false hope. These men claim to be of God, but they are not. They have no affiliation with God. And so it is the true statement today, this too shall not last. It also brings us to the reality of this, is that not everyone who says they are of God are of God. Not every building who has a steeple on it means that they are of God. Not every place that claims to be a church means that they are a church of God. Just because a church has people in it doesn't mean it's a church of God. Just because they have finances doesn't mean that they are of God. Of God means that they are anchored in God. How do you know that they are anchored in God? Well, we see that they're anchored in God back in verse 29. To be anchored in God is to be anchored what? In his message. You can't be of God with a different message. You can't be of God with a different idea of how the church works. You can't be of God. Listen to what he says here in verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. But what, what was the command? Saying in verse 28, saying, saying, did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in the name? And behold, we have filled, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's death upon us. Of God. Of God means to be of God's message. 
what does this matter even for us today? We say, yes, truly, we are of God. But what this meant is that these early apostles, these disciples, you know what they recognized? You know what they realized? Regardless of what the Sanhedrin said, regardless of what the Jewish leader said, did we not straightly command you not to speak this message here? <laughs> and what they said, we ought to obey God rather than men. They realized that there was a higher court in heaven. They was on operation from divine authority. There was no way in the world that they would take an earthly command to bring a ceasing moment to this message. This message was to be of God. Being of God leads us to the place when the world says, Stop preaching this message. Stop teaching this message that we say we ought to obey God rather than men. Have we not heard of this? Testimonies of many people in our times, maybe even experienced it in our own lives, that you would be much further along in the company in which you work at if you could just separate yourself from that religious stuff that you do all the time. Can't you just separate yourself? I mean, can't you just come and hang out with the boss after? Afterward, just come to the bar. You don't have to drink. Come and just socialize. Can you just separate yourself for a moment? Being of God means that we never separate from the message of God, whether it's opportunity. And listen, for the disciples here, we seen on, they ended up did getting flogged. They ended up were beaten for this message, but that was not the initial offering to give to the disciples for the message of God. They said, bring them forth, and they sought that they what? Might slay them. And this was what the apostles were facing. Death for the message of God. Death for preaching the word of God. Death for teaching the word of God. And yet the apostles, without batting an eye, said, we will obey God rather than men. It causes us to be troubled at the thought and the reality that we will oftentimes find ourselves trembling at the thought of how mad somebody in our family may be if we bring up the message of God. We find ourselves saying, you know, I, we only get together one time a year at Thanksgiving or we get together one time a year at Christmas and I don't really want to mess it up. In this moment, you know, I just want to enjoy family. That is a carnal mindset. You're going to enjoy family here for what? Two hours today? Well, you ain't going to spend the rest of eternity with them if they don't get the message of God. So he gave them the message of God. I love we used to sing in many church sing songs. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. And that's good enough for me. That's what people say. Old time religion. I want to experience the outpouring of the spirit. I want to experience religion like it used to be. When the people of God, you mean? had a hold of the message of God and the message of God had a hold of them and they was willing to give it all and tell all about the message of God, that all kind of old time religion. That's what we ask for. We want to experience it, but we don't want to participate in it. 
This is, this is the trouble of it all. I read an article uh, not too long ago, a, a, a man's opinion about why America is in the place that it's in today. Uh, how did America ever arrive at this such communism infatuated, Marxist infatuated state today in such young people? His opinion was that during World War I and during World War II, people who had went to war and fight and fought and gave all, even their lives for their freedom, arrived, they never arrived back home. Therefore, children grew up in fatherless homes who were never basically um, educated about the freedom in which they fought for. You see, they, the point is they grew up with freedom that didn't cost them nothing. This is why he says the world is in the state that it is in today. I think there's a dual application there. The reason that Christianity is where it is today in America is because it hasn't costed us nothing. It hasn't costed us nothing to have it. We treat it to the wayside. It's the balancer to the microwave when we leave church. There's no cost to our faith. And across the seas, uh, Richard Rombrand, they have this series that comes out. Um, they send the books to your house, um, Voice of Martyrs. People still dying for the cause of Christ. People still being persecuted for the cause of Christ. People still excited about one page of the word of God. People just on fire, they're, they're burning. Just pray for us that we can get more of God. Give us, give us more. Yet we find ourselves in a different place. So these disciples, these apostles said, there is nothing that's going to stop us from getting forth the word. Listen to what it says here. This message was worth dying for. The God of our fathers, it says in verse 30, Raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him God hath exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. And we are his witnesses. Don't, don't miss that. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. This is the message. This is the message that they were worth dying for. What is this message? This is, this is redemption. I, I can't get over this message. We should never get over this message. We should never get over the passion that we once had for this message. We should never walk away. I stand here today in this pulpit on this very day. Not because of a therapist that the law made me go see. I stand here today not because of a psychologist who I was forced to go see. I stand here today not because of a jail cell that they once told me to go to when they could not control me. When they could not help me. God burdens men's heart to come to my home. And there, there, they preached the gospel to me. And one day, from the glory of heaven, God opened the doors and sent down the Holy Spirit with basically the, the paddles of the defibrillator and brought this dead man to life with this very message. This message. 
This message is is not only one worth dying for, but this message is one worth living for. It is the message that God used to make me alive. It is the message that God uses to change the life of a sinner. This evening, we must come to the reality that these early apostles were not only willing to die to preach the message, but they loved living this message. Some say, well, I've never faced this kind of opposition. I've never faced this kind of conflict. Well, that is peculiar to the Christian faith. Because Satan is a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. If you will just armor up and get fighting for the Lord, I can almost put a guarantee of approval on this. Satan will soon come looking for you. You'll feel the battle here. This is why it's so confusing in the world we live in today when you see people promoting this social gospel, when you see people saying you should have the freedom to be whoever you want to be. Come be a part of our church and don't worry, you can leave here and the church will not be a part of you. You can have the wealth, you can have the health, you can have the prosperity gospel, you can, you can have it all. Listen, money does not change. They say, God wants you to be rich. There was a time in my life when I could say that I had more money than I really knew what to do with. But standing there at 2020 Auburn Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45219, the money didn't change me. They offered me a new home and a cell. It didn't change me. It was this very message that changed me. It wasn't the social message when they came along and said, here, listen, buddy, I understand the reason that you have this problem in your life. The reason that you're experiencing all of these things is because your father left you as a child. It's not really your fault. It's your upbringing. I'm sorry. Come here. No, hear me. It was this message, Christ and him crucified. It was this message. It changed my life. And for those who don't get to experience that this message changed their life, of course it cuts them to the heart. For those who believe, who believe, it is the message of salvation. It is the message of hope. But for those who do not believe, it is the message of condemnation. Matthew chapter 20, uh, verses 18 through 20, most of us can quote the Great Commission. Most of us know exactly where it's found, but my prayer is tonight is that most of us actually get it. We get it. I want God to settle this down upon us as fires of hot coals. You see what he says here in verse 32? He said, and we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost. Do you see that? And we are his witnesses. We are his witnesses. It's simple. You cannot be the verb unless you are the noun. You can't be something unless you can offer up a personal testimony about what God has done. The day God saved me, December 28, 2008, I witnessed something I've never seen before in my life. I wasn't transported. 2,000 years ago to a hill called Calvary. 
It wasn't an outer body experience. It was an inner body experience. For the first time in my life, I was trembling in fear when I realized where I stood guilty before God. What, what's happening here? All alone. All alone. And yet God did something in me. And they said, we are his witnesses. Witnesses of what? Read the New Testament. Were they there? They were at Calvary. Most of them have fled. Yet they can say, what? We are his witnesses. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of what this message had done in their life. Message what the faith in this message had done in their life. We hear it all the time. Listen, the reason I don't go sowing and the reason I don't like to do these things, I'm not very good at memorizing scriptures. I'm not very good at fluency of speech. You know, I'm not very good interacting with people. Well, are you good at testifying about a personal experience of what Christ did in his life? They said, we have arrived in Jerusalem and all we're doing is acting as witnesses of how this message changed my life. That's, that's all we're called to do. We're just called to be witnesses. You know, we oftentimes, even in our own life, we, we don't mind witnessing, testifying about how fun King's Island was. Don't. I'm not coming down on people who go to King's Island. We don't mind witnessing about how fun an event we do or some kind of park, or we don't mind testifying, witnessing about that great experience. But the experience that kept you from burning in a place called hell wasn't good enough to get a witness, wasn't good enough to get a, a, a time of testimonial. It's not good enough to offer up at well, what are they going to say? Well, what are they going to say? Really? What are they going to say? How in the world can you separate such a great testimony? You have witnessed the greatest gift ever offered to mankind in your own personal life, and you ain't going to witness it? You ain't going to tell other people, like, you'll never believe what happened. They said, we have witnessed this great thing. The Bible says in verse 33, and they were cut to the heart because of the truth. They were cut to the heart, cut by this message. How many of us could testify how popular we were with our friends until we met Jesus? Popular. Friends came over all the time. Now they don't come around at all because they, their testimony is, is that he's fell prey to a cult. He's in a cult. Pray, well, don't pray for him, but, you know, he's just not the guy he used to be. He's been bamboozled. He, he's been pulled away. Oh, you was the greatest nephew of all time. You were such a great nephew. We loved you. We loved having you over. We always talked about you, but now... He's just gone off the deep end. I, we don't even know how to take you in no more. Listen, this message 2,000 years ago cut at the heart of men, and it still cuts at the heart of men today. 
but it doesn't change that we're still called to be witnesses. I am thankful for that little text there. I, I, I just love it. I don't even know whether Gamilia was saved or not. Probably not. But I love this thing in verse 39. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. 2,000 years later, <laughs> all the religious fanaticals have come and gone. Some are still rising up today, and with a guarantee, they will soon be dispersed. But this message, <laughs> if it be of God, it will last. It has stood the test of time. It will stand the test of time. You don't ever have to worry about it coming back uneffective. It will either cut the heart of man or bring a person to repentance. You don't ever have to worry about somebody coming along and saying, you know what? That recipe you gave me actually did not work out. No, we don't have to worry about it. It has stood the test of time. It has never come back void. So I say all this this evening just to get to one simple question. Gamaliel's thought, if it be of God, who can stop it? If it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. If it be of God, it will not stop. So the question is tonight in closing, is Gamaliel's statement true about you? Is this observation from this man that this message, if it is truly as powerful as they say it is, since it is as powerful as they know it is, when it comes to you in your own personal life, is Gamaliel right on the money? That you're, you know what, it stood the test of time. I experienced it and it hasn't stopped. It's still pouring out of me. Or is Gamaliel confused that you've experienced this wonderful, amazing gospel message in your own life and yet it's come to you, it's rested in you, it's changed with you, but something strange, it stopped with you. This message is not to be stopped. If it be of God, then we are witnesses. If, if it be of God, then we're to testify. If it be of God, if this is the call that we have in our lives. And I hate saying if, since it is of God, we should be witnesses of it. Since it is of God, we should testify about it. And remember this, if you find yourself in a place where you have no desire, no desire at all, to tell somebody about this amazing gospel message. Think about verse number two. And we are his witnesses. The noun comes before the verb. You can't testify about anything you've not personally experienced. And don't be surprised. The reason you ain't testified because you ain't ever experienced it. Because if you've experienced it, of certain you would want to testify of it. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you 
for your word that's continuously challenging us, Lord, that we're continuously um, drawn to it, to, to glean from it, to um, be strengthened by it. Lord, may we be challenged to be witnesses for you, no matter what the cost, no matter what the world may say, no matter what they put up against us, Lord, man, no matter the, uh, the uncomfortable feeling, no matter the thoughts of promotion, no matter the thoughts of being liked, no matter the thoughts of being disliked, Lord, let it be bold from us that we are of you. And since we are of you, we testify of you. I give thanks to you for all that you've done in Jesus name. Amen.